0: I think there is a risk of overpromising, So, you know, I think my always preference is, you know, where you can under-promise and over-deliver, that's always the better side of the equation. Um, so being really clear about, you know, kind of where you are on your journey and what the critical next steps are.
1: Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Funding A Better Future. This is a new series of bite-sized episodes featuring the expert insights of climate tech investors. My name's Cherry and I'm the founder of Above and Beyond Recruitment. We partner with climate tech startups and we help them to scale and grow either by recruiting for them and helping them to build out teams or by offering talent advisory and consultancy services. This series is aimed at founders and leaders of climate tech businesses and particularly anyone who's looking to raise investment this year. Throughout the course of this series, we aim to give you a realistic picture of the current investment market, as well as some tips to give you the best chances of fundraising success, and hopefully a network of individuals that you can approach when the time is right for you. Today, I'm joined by Alex Hook, Senior Investment Director at Nesta. Nesta is the UK's innovation agency for social good. They're a UK charity, that are focused on three key pillars to their mission. The first being to create a fairer start for everybody and reduce socioeconomic disadvantages. The second being to help people live healthier lives and reducing health inequalities. And the third and most pertinent to to today's discussion, creating a more sustainable future by reducing carbon emissions, promoting innovation, and helping people to cross train into climate careers. Nesta's Impact Investments is an investment fund which backs businesses that are closely aligned with these three missions. They aim to invest in high impact innovations that are run by outstanding entrepreneurs, offer them the capital and the support that they need to solve these huge problems. So, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you, Cherry. Delighted to be with you today.
1: Yeah, Excellent. Uh, Are you happy neatement. to kick off Alex, by um, giving us a bit of an intro really to, or a bit more meat on the bones about Nesta impact investments and, and kind of talk us through how it may differ slightly, if at all, from, from the work of a more traditional VC.
0: Yes, happily. And uh, thank you for the opportunity to, to to talk to your audience as well. you know, I've been at Nesta for about 14 years, making and managing uh, early stage investments. And Nesta throughout its uh, existence for about 25 years coming up to 25 years, has always used some of the the capital that it's lucky enough to have to make early stage investments into innovations that are furthering the objectives of the organisation at the given time. And that is now, as you rightly said, has now coalesced into three long-term missions that we're trying to have a focus on. Uh, And I have particular responsibility for the household decarbonisation mission and also the the skills gap piece that you referred to as well. Um, How we differ? Well, we are it is charitable money ultimately that we're deploying. Um, but I think it's fair to say that we go about it in a way that most VCs will will look at opportunities. You know, we are always looking at what is the market opportunity, what is the product market fit with the, the or the service fit with the, the company we're backing, if we've got a great team that uh have got self-awareness and are, you know, aren't, aren't claiming to be all things. Uh, you know, I think a, a degree of humility uh, and ambition. Uh Often, you know, can be strange bedfellows, but quite important bedfellows, I think, in 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 founding teams. Uh, and we go about making an appraisal. That the, the, where it gets different for us is that we are always looking at the the other bottom line of of the investment. So beyond the financial, you know, what is the the contribution that this uh, company, its product or service, will make to one of the three mission areas? And obviously, in, uh, in the decarbonisation mission, it really boils down to carbon. Um we tend to, uh, you know, we, we want to, I suppose we're not a, a corporate VC, but we try to act a little bit like one in that we want to bring more than just the cash. So we want to bring some strategic value into the, the, the companies we're backing and ultimately be able to leverage strategic value back into the mission work that we're doing here at Nestor as well. Because of the 300 odd people that work at Nestor, and I work in a team of 10 in that 300, most of the my colleagues are focused on specifically on one of those missions, uh, and so we have quite multifaceted teams going into the value chains around each of those missions, forming relationships and partnerships with key stakeholders. So where we can, we want to leverage that to the benefit of portfolio companies, and and likewise, you know, leverage the insights and data and expertise of the portfolio companies into the mission team, all with the aim of trying to make a dent on these three big long-term issues that the UK faces.
1: Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. And, and seeing the landscape as you do, what, what, what are your opinions of, of funding for climate tech this year? Because it's certainly been an interesting start this year, right? With, you know, lots of, Lots of nervousness, I think, on the part of founders about how easy it's going to be to raise investment, what their valuation looks like, you know, as opposed to last year. Um, and then with the news of SVB over the weekend, I think it's been it's been a rocky landscape. So, so what would your opinion be of of the landscape this year?
0: I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, the last three years, at the beginning of the year, there seems to have been some major issues going on, and maybe that's the new normal that we have to deal with greater volatility. Mm. Um, maybe that is the case, but, uh, you know, I think, I mean, SVB certainly gave a few people uh, some sleep sleep this weekend, myself included, with a couple of portfolio companies banking with them. But no, I think that the general climate, I mean, last year was a bit of an outlier, Oh, sorry, 2021 was a bit of an outlier in terms of volumes. 2022 numbers, when you, you know, and there are now sort of quarterly reports and annual reports coming out, you can see that the trend in in climate uh, tech investing is 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 strong is mm-hmm. still strong and and you know there are we've certainly aware of across the funding landscape from early stage EIS, SEIS funds right through to larger you know bigger private equity funds there are more and more people looking more and more funds raised with a mandate to, to invest in and around the climate tech agenda so I think that there's certainly an availability of capital mm-hmm. there could be a degree of caution about making new commitments um, particularly in that sort of the mid-bracket, the Series A end, um, where you've seen a lot of funds are just holding back the rate of deployment, just slowing a fraction uh, because they're reserving a bit more capital for existing portfolio. I think that's probably less true at the seed, uh, you know, pre-seed seed stage. You know, I was just reading yesterday, uh, Green Angel Syndicate, you know, announcing that they, they've... Raise more money than they've ever raised annually before for for their um, EIS EIS funds. So, you know, I think there are some uh, there's still an availability of capital. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty buoyant actually. I think yeah. you know the, the good ideas that have some differentiation, um, you know, will find an investor. Um, you know, it, it, there are more investors out there with with some sort of climate mandate. So it's I think it's a good time.
1: Good. Oh, that's a very, very reassuring picture then, hopefully, for, for people that are, that are watching. So despite some volatility, still a, a positive market generally, especially for those earlier stage startups. How yes. And, and what are you most excited about this year? Because I, I appreciate, you know, climate tech is a very broad church. Right. And, and, and underneath that, there are lots of different subsectors. Um, what, where would you say you and particularly Nesta um, are interested in investing this year?
0: Yeah, no, it's a uh, a question that we are, you know, we talk about daily, weekly here, you know, kind of what are we excited about? And, you know, what opportunities sh- should we be pursuing next? Um, you know, we, we, uh, we've we done a number of hardware investments in, in this decarbonisation mission <clears throat> to date. Uh, we've announced two, and there's one that will be announced very soon. So that'll be three, which is good. And you need hardware to decarbonize, you know, so, uh, you know, absolutely, if we want to take a chunk out of household carbon, we need to, we, we need to back some hardware businesses that do it. Um, but looking forward, you know, we are, you know, we don't just want to be a hardware fund, And so we are increasingly interested and excited by a number of more software plays, I suppose, more software-centric plays, particularly around, I suppose, two aspects that we're really interested in at the moment. One is data, the use of data to help us better analyze the current state of play and what a future roadmap towards a decarbonised household might look like. Um, and data is a bit disaggregated in this sector at the moment. Um, there it is slightly siloed. And so actually finding opportunities where you're sort of connecting different data sets to inform. Uh, business decisions for the customers and customers we feel is 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 relevant and interesting is something that we're looking at closely also looking at you know there there is a service wrapper to a lot of businesses if you're going to ultimately move a household on a decarbonization journey there needs to be you know expecting a household to unpick Uh, All the advice and conflicting uh, advice that you might get about what you should do first and next, and what's the payback, and you know, we do believe that there is a service wrap at all of this that allows customers to have you know some independent advice that introduces them to the right people at the right stage in their own journeys to you know to facilitate and hopefully make easier the decision to, um, to 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 make upgrades and renovations to their, their properties, whether that's owner-occupiers, whether or not that's in the social housing sector, ultimately in the private rental sector, but they are different sectors with different drivers. So, you know, we are conscious that it's no, not one size fits all. There's no uh,
1: there's no silver bullet. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yes, because that there isn't one front runner in that yet, is there, that kind of service that as a homeowner you could go to and would literally take you through beginning to end, that decarbonization journey how to retrofit your home and it's it's quite a murky opaque kind of world i think to the general public right
0: yeah and there are some factors at play here you're absolutely right it, it, there aren't there's no dominant uh service so you know we, we're aware of a number of really interesting businesses uh you know in that sort of startup phase uh mm-hmm. and coming to market with and you know should start generating some good traction hopefully over the next next year or so but there is also, you know, there's in back to the skills piece around this. You know, we do have a bottleneck if mm-hmm. we really do want to decarbonize homes. You know, we have got a, a fundamental bottleneck, and that's not the number of solar panels that can be produced or ultimately number of heat pumps, but it's actually around the installation. It's actually how do you do we have enough people to actually drive the the volume of uh, retrofit activity, and and how do we make sure that we do over the next ten years? So. You know, there is, uh, is the market ready for everyone to decarbonize tomorrow? No. Mm. Um it, You know, but over the next 10 years, you know, we think there will be some really interesting plays, um, some of which are sort of full service and, you know, will hold your hand right through the installation journey. You'll just have one uh counterpoint as a, uh, as a customer, the, the company delivering that service who will, you know, facilitate the install and all the things, and you might even have an ongoing sort of service and maintenance relationship, or that gets slightly di- disaggregated. And, you know, there are elements of it and you, you take the journey so far. Um, but we also, you know, something that gives me hope is that we're starting to see large corporates now, um, you know, big, big financial institutions and energy companies really starting to think about how do they help their employees, but also more importantly, in terms of volume, their customers. Mm. make some decisions and facilitate this transition, because it is a transition. You know, yeah. we, um, how we use energy in our homes uh, and how the energy is supplied is is already changing and is going to continue to change over the next 15 years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's an announcement yesterday or today, I think wasn't there, that the UK government had got a £1.8 billion fund allocated to this problem exactly, the decarbonisation of, of the housing stock
0: and, and, and the, the argument there is I, mean, I think they've been really good uh in the social housing sector at really sort of trying to create some um clear you know incentives and uh some grant funding um you know a lot of the stuff in the own occupier space at the moment is still relatively small scale is being you know actually getting converting well finding that the people who are willing to go on the journey has proved harder um you know so the the, the uh, you know the old Um, green homes uh, piece and then more recently the boiler upgrade schemes you know that they have struggled to get to to full capacity in terms of the funding available and number of projects done Mm. so there is a communications piece here as well um, that needs to you know I think you know government uh, and local authorities need to to help uh, you know the startups uh, in terms of evolving the the market and, and starting to trigger I suppose a little bit more demand, but you do feel that you know things like the boiler upgrade scheme, that sort of five thousand pound grant, are are important. Mm-hmm. They're important because they remove some of that uh, that disparity, that the cost disparity up front, which hopefully hopefully would you increases what well, reduces friction, increases demand. But yeah. we're, we're, the evidence isn't there yet.
1: No, absolutely, and and for. Any startups that are kind of in in the spaces that you just previously mentioned there and are potentially interested in approaching, you know, an organization such as yours for, for some funding this year. What advice would you give to founders? And, you know, how, how can they make themselves as attractive as possible? What can they be focusing on perhaps over the next six months um, that, that could make them more attractive, I suppose, to, to invest in? Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, it's a great question. Uh, it's a great question. I mean, you know, uh, you you might have even said the word in, in the question, actually, you know, the word focus. Mm. Um, you know, we, we meet a, a lot of um, founders and fantastic founders. I mean, it's the best part of the job um, is meeting really motivated and passionate people who are doing things that we we're excited about inherently. Um, I think there is a risk of overpromising. So, you know, I think my always preference and I've learned this domestically as well uh, back at home is, you know, where you can under promise and over deliver. That's always the better side of the equation. Um, So being really clear about, you know, kind of where you are on your journey and what the critical next steps are uh, and and trying to do one or two things really well rather than trying to do five things sort of okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know so and this is particularly i suppose ultimately with some of the um the, the actual customer facing products or service you've got do one or two things you know maybe just one thing brilliantly brilliantly delight your customer uh and and that is the best way to to really get some traction and and to actually get some positive endorsement from early customers is is you know they're just delighted that you've Somehow over delivered on what you promised. So I think that is important for us. I mean, where we sit, we typically are sort of late seed, Series A uh, investors. So there's typically some sort of product market fit. There's typically a customer who is paying for something. And it might not be the absolute ultimate thing, but there is some customer engagement where we we can actually understand how this product or service that the startup is offering is really addressing a customer pain point uh be that the business or be that ultimately you know direct to consumer so laser focus on a smaller number of things particularly when you're speaking to other you know to to vcs don't promise the moon on a stick you know we do see an awful lot of uh you know forecast financial forecasts that that get to you know space trajectory uh, rocket trajectory in year sort of four, five six and I have to confess that we do spend a lot of time pruning those uh, expectations about the uh, you know the rate and pace of growth. I think you know what you need to believe and that's fine you know that, that does happen you you know we do recognize that companies when they're raising have got to be able to present an upside. and um, what's important is just being realistic about when that upside comes and what are the critical steps to getting that sort of tipping point of inflection with customer, customer demand and just really laser focus on the next three to six months, you know, kind of what do you need to do to, to push your customers on that journey of actually, you know, sending you a purchase order for the, you know, for the first iteration of the product or service that you're offering. So do less, but do it better.
1: Mm. And I love that because I think people do perhaps get caught up in the need to present, like you said, this overly optimistic picture of future success. And yeah, the you know, the the upside, but perhaps overselling on the upside. So I think I think that's perhaps you know very useful advice to people to, to feel that you can give a more realistic, stripped back picture. And then I suppose once you then get the investment, there isn't that awful pressure to have to deliver this ridiculous thing you promised right
0: (laughs) that's right I think it's so important you know when when we you know the investment process for us is typically you know a three to six months process depending on when we first met the company how formed the round is etc but you know it's somewhere in that range Mm. but that's you know and and it's you know it's intense uh you know we have to lift the drains open the cupboards you know understand everything about this business uh, and the team that we're backing you know and and that's a key attribute of of our process as well but ultimately all of that you know we've made the investment we're delighted we've you know we've signed the the shareholders agreement the subscription agreement but that is just the start line you know that is all everything we've been doing up to that point is just you know courting uh you know and now we're actually you know we're we're making a firm commitment which we know lasts for five to ten might be longer years so setting you know Getting off on the right footing with the right expectation set is critical, yeah. as you just alluded to, uh, yeah. Cherry. You know, if you don't, you're, you're, it, 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 there is a recipe uh, for disappointment uh, on both sides. You know, and we've got to be conscious of not, you know, promising the moon on a stick to the founders that we back. You know, we want to, you know, we want to do more than write a check, but it's not always in our gift. So, you know, we just need to uh, have a very open, frank, uh, and constructive. Dialogue with teams that we're backing. Um, yeah, so uh, it's a journey. It's a long journey, uh, but an exciting <laughs> one. You know, you, you know, I think we we get super excited, as I said, to to meet you know founders with clear passion, motivation, hopefully a bit of experience. Um, you know, going on 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 this journey, and where you know founders don't necessarily have all the experience uh you know back to the point i was making earlier you know the humility say and you know the humbleness to say well, actually this is an area that i need to strengthen you know here we're not you know presenting themselves and the business as perfect uh is always uh, uh, can be a surprise so sort of a candidness about yes you know I'm, I'm good at this but i need to add this or we need to add this to to our our team and our capabilities uh we find you know it, it is is always uh goes down well with us because it's a bit more open and honest uh no one no one is perfect and can do everything and you know, despite what i tell my wife so
1: <laughs> absolutely brilliant thank you so much for that and i, I definitely you know I, I know in my own business i i kind of echo that point you made about being on that journey with a founder and that but definitely the best part of my job is being able to speak to people every day that are creating, innovating, building, exciting, brilliant things and getting caught up in the, you know, the dream of what they could achieve and helping them to do that. So, yeah, so it seems like there's some similarities between what what you and I do there. Um, And you mentioned earlier on, you know, right at the very beginning of our conversation about a, a couple of investments that you've made and about to announce the third one. Um, is there anything you can share with us about what you're particularly excited about within Nesta's world this year what you guys have got coming up and yeah what, uh, what uh, yes
0: I mean particularly in, in in within our as we call it a sustainable future mission focus which is the household mm-hmm. decarbonization uh, and and sort of productivity and skills piece we are there's a lot of things that we've been working on I mean last year we spent a lot of time looking at the sort of you know the drivers and blockers to the adoption of heat pumps uh you know we've been delighted that you know you We've got Octopus and British Gas, uh, you know, actively, you know, trying to, to push heat pumps, which is great. But heat pumps, like other things, aren't a silver bullet uh, uh, and not applicable in all situations. Um, so certainly the mission team is, is looking uh, quite a bit at, uh, you know, flexibility, demand flexibility. You know, what can you do? What How can we support households to turn up, turn down demand to make sure that we can balance in as much, put in as much green electrons renewable electrons into the grid and optimize and use those green electrons rather than wasting them or, or asking scottish wind turbines to to turn off which feels like a tremendous waste of money so looking at how can we incentivize individual householders to, to to participate in that is something that uh, we're interested in as a team but nesta and the mission team are very interested in uh, we've got more uh, there is uh, a myriad of things that we're, we're working on and there will be uh, more on the productivity area as well, looking at the green skills gap, uh, you know, there is, a, as I said earlier, a, a, a need for us to um, think differently about how we train people and how we support people to, to maybe make uh, transitions in their careers towards things that are uh, maybe more about future skills than last century skills. Um, so, no, there's quite a lot. I'd encourage anyone to sign up to the Nesta newsletter uh, via the nesta.org.uk website. That's...
1: Great plug. <laughs> Excellent. And, um, Alex, if people listening to this are founders of businesses in the areas that, that Nesta would be interested in investing in, how what's what's the best way for them to, to get in touch?
0: Yeah. So, uh, you'd always be welcome to email me directly uh, and uh, alex.hook at uh, or you can go via uh, we do have a web application form which is you know w- which we're screening on a you know daily weekly basis so you, you will always get a response there as well um but please knock on our door we'd always be welcome a conversation whether or not it's right or not for us uh, we would always try and give some constructive feedback and where we can signpost to other investors who who might be um more suitable
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining me today. Um, And if you've missed any of our previous episodes, we've had some fantastic conversations uh, with people from Planet A Ventures, AO PropTech. Those two were just last week. Um, And we've got more episodes coming every Wednesday and Friday for about the next four weeks or so. So watch this space. Thanks very much again to Alex from Nestor, And thank you to everybody that's come and joined us today. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.